Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts today. Lord, we need your word. Your word is truth. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we are gathered here to hear your word, that we would be transformed uh, by your Holy Spirit through your word. Lord, teach us what it means to live a humble, Christ-like life. Give me, Lord, today the words to say. May I speak clearly in a way that, first of all, honors your word, glorifies you, and uh, feeds uh, this church. So be glorified in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our reading today is taken from Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 18. The Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my present presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. In the scriptures, in Philippians chapter 1, we're commanded to live like Christ. Now that's a high calling. Think of it, to live like Jesus. That's our calling as Christians, to live like Jesus. So we are commanded to live like Christ, and I'm thankful for this. God provides all that is necessary 
to live a Christ-like life. In and of ourselves, we're not capable of living Christ-like lives. So God provides all that is necessary for you to live like Jesus. When Jesus commands, when God commands, his commands are lofty. But God provides all that is necessary to obey. You see, I don't have power within myself to obey. You know, I might, I might have strength to live somewhat of a decent life before all of you. I kind of present myself in a, in a decent way before other people. And the same is true of you. When people point at you, they, they might say, he's a, he's a good person, or, or she's a good person. Because we're able to put ourselves together in such a way that we can live before others in a, in a decent way. But when it comes to living before a righteous and a holy God, we, we can't put ourselves together and make ourselves look good before God. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he's called us to live in obedience. I don't have the power to obey as God has called me to obey before him. And that's why I'm so thankful that God provides all that is necessary to live a Christ-like, humble life. So as I was reading through Philippians chapter 2 today, I was thinking of focusing just on humility because I believe that humility is, is, a, is a major part of this passage we just read. But I also found other things associated with humility, and then I realized that it's, it's really Christ-likeness. It's Christ-likeness that Paul is writing about. We are to live like Christ. So in that, we, we are to live uh, in unity. In unity, that's a lofty goal. Especially in the current climate of COVID, where everybody has different opinions about how to deal with this virus. And politics, where everybody has their own political opinions. And then we're called to be brothers and sisters in Christ to live in unity together. How do we do that? So unity itself is a lofty goal. Humility, we're called to be humble towards one another. We're called to serve one another. We're called to, to worship God. We're called to obedience and we're called to, to joy. These are the six things I found from this passage. Lofty, high standards which God has given to us. And bottom line, we're to live like Jesus. That's what it means to live in obedience. We're to live like Christ. And you've been called to live like Jesus. But that ability, that power, doesn't come from within you. You don't possess the power to live a Christ-like life. Praise God, we're commanded to be like Jesus. And I, and I think that the world uh, is longing for the church to be more like Jesus. That's a lofty goal. So I praise God that he provides all that is necessary to live a Christ-like life. Let's look at verse 12 and 13. These are some hard verses. Probably some of the hardest words that, that Paul has written. It's difficult for us who 
have been taught that we are saved by grace, through faith, apart from works, to understand what Paul is saying in verses 12 and 13. But I believe we can come to a right understanding of, the, of especially of verse 12. So verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. And here, here are the words that, that, are, that we stumble over. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But I am grateful that the sentence doesn't end there. The sentence continues in verse 13. For it is God, for it is God who works in you. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What does it mean to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? We believe that it, that it is God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're commanded to live like Christ and we believe that God provides all that is necessary to live a Christ-like life. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Did the Apostle Paul teach works righteousness? Is Paul saying that we need to do good works to be saved? The Apostle Paul is not saying that you work to earn salvation. What he is saying is this. Now that you are saved by grace through faith, now you are called to do good works. Now you can do good works. So let me unpack this for you. You can do good works. You can live out your salvation. You can be a visible expression of Jesus in our world. First of all, because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You can do good works because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Did you know that, that the believer who is saved by the grace of God is a new creation? That's who you are today. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. By the grace of God, you're a new creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You can't obey. So to work out your salvation is to be this new creation in Christ Jesus. It's to, it's to live out the salvation that Jesus has already freely given to us. So you can do these good works, first, because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and second, because the Holy Spirit now dwells within you. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, created in him to do good works, which God prepared beforehand, that you would walk in them. And then second, because you have the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So these good works that are a result of our salvation, it's a fruit, it's a fruit of salvation. Good works are done by believers not to earn salvation, but as the fruit of salvation. As a new creation in Christ Jesus, you are now filled with the Holy Spirit. And now in the power of the Spirit, you can live out this new obedience. So to work out your salvation is to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. of This good work that's been done in you by Jesus. So you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been given the power to live out your salvation. To live out your salvation or to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, live out this life that you've been given freely by Jesus. But what about the fear and trembling? What about the fear and trembling? I believe that the fear and trembling are to have a right understanding of who you are in the presence of Almighty God. To know who you are as a sinner in the presence of Almighty God. I believe that we need to regain a correct understanding of who we are and how awesome and mighty God is. You see, when we lose a right understanding of the, of the awesomeness of God, we don't fear and tremble. And if we do not fear God, we, we really don't have a right understanding of who God is. And then for the believer, this fear and trembling takes on a unique perspective. Because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, created in him to do good works, and because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know that you're loved by God. So for us, for the believer, this fear is not a fear of God's punishment. It's not a fear of being cast into hell. For the believer, fear and trembling takes on a unique perspective. Our fear and trembling is an expression of a deep reverence before God. And the God we fear loves us. He loves us deeply. His love for you is so deep and profound that he freely made you his new creation. He filled you with his Holy Spirit. Our fear of God is not fear of judgment. Rather, it's a, it's a fear of living our lives in a way that would dishonor the name of God. We fear living in such a way that we would profane God's name. For those of us who have been so beautifully and wonderfully saved by the grace of God, we should fear and tremble at even the thought of dishonoring his name and the way that we think and speak and live. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray this petition, Hallowed be thy name. Lord, hallowed be thy name. When we pray this, when we pray hallowed be thy name, we're praying that we would live a holy lives to give honor to God. We fear and we tremble because we do not want to, to profane the name of God. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this given to us by grace. We want to honor God because he is gracious and loving to sinners. To sinners who do not deserve all that he has graciously lavished on us. So when we pray hallowed, be thy name, and say, Lord, I don't want to live my life in a way that would bring dishonor to you. 
So to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is to live before God with, with a deep humility, a deep sense of reverence, a deep sense of honor. We do not want to bring dishonor to God in the way that we live our lives. And it ought to cause us to fear and to tremble at even the thought of living in a way that would dishonor the God who loves us so deeply. So in the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to live Christ-like lives. In unity, man, that's a lofty goal. Humility, service, worship, obedience, and joy. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, live out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Good news. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you. Let me illustrate this with a story. When I was a boy, a friend of mine and I, we decided to take a rowboat out. Now, when I was growing up, we, uh, my parents owned sailboats, and we would sail up into the San Juan Islands. And we would anchor out into certain harbors on small islands. One island is Susha Island. How many of you have ever heard of Susha Island? How many of you have ever been there? That was one of our favorite places to go. So we were anchored out at Susha Island. We decided to take the dinghy out. So my friend and I, with our little, you know, 10-year-old arms, we rowed the boat into shore, and we played on the beach. My parents stayed on the boat. We were having a great time. We were probably out there on the beach for hours, just playing, having a good time. And then my parents had called us back in. So we got into that, into that uh, dinghy. It was a big fiberglass double-hulled uh, uh, rowboat. And uh, we were rowing in back to the boat. And there was a current. And our little arms couldn't row strong enough against the current to get back to the boat. So my dad saw that we were struggling. No matter how hard we rode, we couldn't gain any ground. Well, my dad, he was a scuba diver. He put his wetsuit on, he put his uh, fins on. He jumped into the water, he swam out to us, he crawled into the boat. And with his big, strong arms, he was able to row us safely back to the boat. He did for us what we didn't have the strength to do on our own. This is why Jesus humbled himself by taking on human flesh. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant to die on a cross for you and for your salvation. Without Jesus, you would remain lost, completely separated from God. 
The same way my dad jumped into the water and came to our rescue, so Jesus jumped into this world and he came to our rescue. And it's through his death and his resurrection that we've been brought safely home to him. But Jesus continues to row for us. He continues to do for us that which we could never do for ourselves. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. God accomplishes for you what you could never accomplish for yourself. So we're commanded to live like Christ. We don't want to dishonor the name of our God and the way that we live. And God provides all that is necessary to live a Christ-like life. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability to row against the current of this, of this crooked and twisted generation. The temptation is, is too strong for us. Listen to what Paul says in verses 14 and following. He says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's hard. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be, may be, found, may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So we're called to live in this world, and Paul speaks of this world, this generation, it's crooked and twisted. Crooked and twisted. And so for us to live a Christ-like life is to row against the current. You see, human nature is no different today than it was when the Apostle Paul wrote. We too live in a crooked and twisted generation. We row against the impossible current of our fallen human nature. Each and every one of us still have this draw in us, this pull within us to live for ourselves. So we must have God at work within us. Each and every one of you here today, you need God to be at work within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We're commanded to live like Christ. It's a lofty goal. But we're so grateful. God provides all that is necessary to live a Christ-like life. And when God is work within you, he's providing all that is necessary for you to live like Jesus. And then when we live like Jesus, when we live like him, we shine as lights. We shine as lights. And Jesus said it too, you are the light of the world. We're the light of the world when we live out our salvation, filled with the Spirit, a new creation. You shine for this lost world. We live in a, in a crooked and twisted and dark world, and you are to shine in this world. But let me warn you, some will be attracted to your light, but listen to this, others will be irritated by your light. You ever notice sometimes we're irritated by light? Those living in the darkness can't stand the light that you shine. It's because you look nothing like the rest of this world. 
So they don't like you. But you keep shining. You see, the church hasn't been placed in this world to be liked. We haven't been placed here to be liked. We've been placed here to shine the light. Even when the darkness cannot stand the light. Some will be repulsed by us. But others, others who are straining against the current of this crooked and twisted generation, those that are straining at the oars, thinking there is something wrong with this world, there is something wrong with me, when they see the light in you, they'll be attracted to the light because it's the Holy Spirit drawing them to the light. But if the church doesn't shine, those who are straining at the oars, those who are thinking there must be something more, there must be something different, they won't see the light in you. So shine. Shine for this world to see. Shine so that the world will come to Christ. But as you live as lights in this world, don't expect to be liked. Don't expect to be agreed with. And don't expect your agenda to fit the current agenda. Just shine. In the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, live a Christ-like life. Shine for others to see, knowing that it's really not you. It's not you shining, but it's Jesus shining in and through you. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would once again fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can live in a way that is Christ-like, in a way that honors you, and in a way in which we can shine as lights in a crooked and twisted generation. Help us, Heavenly Father. Guide us uh, in your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.